Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the second Sunday in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty ever-living God, who governs all things both in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the pleading of your people, and bestow your peace on our times. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the prophet Isaiah. About Zion, I will not be silent. About Jerusalem, I will not grow weary until her integrity shines out like the dawn and her salvation flames like a torch. The nations then will see your integrity, all the kings your glory, and you will be called by a new name, one which the mouth of the Lord will confer. You are to be a crown of splendor in the land of the Lord, a princely diadem in the hand of your God. No longer are you to be named forsaken, nor your land abandoned, but you shall be called my delight, and your land the wedded. For the Lord takes delight in you, and your land will have its wedding. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. O sing a new song to the Lord. Sing to the Lord all the earth. O sing to the Lord, bless his name. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. Proclaim his help day by day. Tell among the nations his glory and his wonders among all the peoples. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. Give the Lord, you families of peoples, give the Lord glory and power. Give the Lord the glory of his name. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. Worship the Lord in his temple, O earth temple before him. Proclaim to the nations, God is king. He will judge the peoples in fairness. Proclaim his marvellous deeds to all the nations. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. There is a variety of gifts, but always the same spirit. There are all sorts of services to be done, but always to the same Lord. Working in all sorts of different ways, in different people. It is the same God who is working in all of them. The particular way in which a spirit is given to each person is for a good purpose. One may have the gift of preaching with wisdom given to him by the spirit. Another may have the gift of preaching instruction given him by the same spirit. And another the gift of faith given by the same spirit. Another again the gift of healing through this one spirit. One, the power of miracles. Another, prophecy. Another, the gift of recognizing spirits. Another, the gift of tongues. And another, the ability to interpret them. 
all these works of one and the same Spirit who distributes different gifts to different people, just as he chooses. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia. God has called us with the gospel to share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. There was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. The mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited. When they ran out of wine, since the wine provided for the wedding was all finished, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said, Woman, why turn to me? My hour has not come yet. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. There were six stone water jars standing there, meant for the ablutions that are customary among the Jews. Each could hold twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them to the brim. Draw some out now, he told them, and take it to the steward. They did this. The steward tasted the water, and it had turned into wine. Having no idea where it came from, only the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said, People generally serve the best wine first and keep the cheaper sort till the guests have had plenty to drink, but you have kept the best wine till now. This was the first of the signs given by Jesus. It was given at Cana in Galilee. He let his glory be seen, and his disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So the scriptures use lots of different images to express God's relationship of love towards his people. You know, and his project to save his people. And, you know, throughout the liturgical year, we're presented with, you know, different ones of these images. And they reflect to us something of God's love, something of his plan for us. We hear that God is our shepherd and that we are his sheep. We hear that he's the vine, we're the branches. And all the images that the scriptures use describe this relationship and, you know, a different emphasis on different aspects of our communion with God. But of all these images, perhaps the most moving of them is the one that's described in the first reading today, the image of the bridegroom and the bride. We just heard a beautiful phrase from the prophet Isaiah, like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. You know, this image of the Lord, the bridegroom, taking to himself his own bride, is perhaps the most intense of all the scriptural analogies in the Bible. The prophet Isaiah is drawing upon the human experience of marriage in order to describe the kind of desire and intensity that God has towards us. And time and again, 
The image of spousal love and the event of the wedding feast are used in both the Old and New Testaments. And since it evokes such powerful emotional resonances within us, then clearly there's something profound being expressed in these images. Listen again. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. This bridal image is presented in Isaiah as a beautiful promise. I will come to you like a young man to his bride, with the passion and love of a groom for his bride. And the joy of such a young man speaks of the joy that I will have when I take you as my own. This image in the prophet Isaiah reveals to us an intimate communion of life which the Creator establishes with his creature. And the human reality of marriage instructs us of the kind of relationship that God will establish with us, a passionate, intimate, indissoluble bond of fidelity. Now, the context in which this prophecy appears in Isaiah is a turbulent period in Israel's history. I'm sure you all remember, in the 6th century before Christ, the kingdom of Judah was overrun by the Babylonians. And the king and the leaders of Jerusalem were taken into exile and the temple in Jerusalem was completely destroyed. The Jews saw in this crushing defeat the belief that God had abandoned them. Indeed, Israel had been incredibly unfaithful to God. And they were now experiencing the tremendous pain and absence of God. And in the midst of this experience comes the first reading. No longer are you to be named forsaken, nor your land abandoned. But you shall be called my delight, and your land the wedded. For the Lord takes delight in you, and your land will have its wedding. The prophecy of Isaiah corresponds to the deep desire of Jerusalem. She's longing for the presence of God, that indeed she will not be abandoned or forsaken, for she thirsts for her God. The promise given to Isaiah then is that the Lord will rebuild his city. And no longer will Jerusalem be called forsaken or abandoned, but instead she will be married. Your land will have its wedding. It's a beautiful expression of the merciful love of God who gazes upon Jerusalem and looks to restore her beauty. So with that in the history and theological background of Israel, it's now not an insignificant detail that Jesus performs his first sign at a wedding feast. The event of the wedding feast of Cana begins to describe the history of Israel and also starts to indicate the action and mission of Jesus towards the church. We can see that the wedding feast is underway, but they run into trouble. And the mother of Jesus describes the situation. They have no wine. When we look at the deeper spiritual level of the text, Mary is really echoing what the prophets had been saying for centuries. That Israel is lost in the desert. Israel is thirsting for God, the presence of God. Indeed, for Israel as a nation, the wine of divine life has run out. 
This great wedding feast is grinding to a halt because Israel is dry and thirsting. And when the Virgin Mary is describing the condition of the wedding banquet without wine, in fact what she's doing is describing what the psalmist had said centuries before. O God, you are my God, for you I long, for you my soul is thirsting, like a dry, weary land without water. What we see unfold in the Gospel of John is the very mission of Christ presented in a symbolic way through this miracle at Cana. Christ has come in order to satisfy the thirst of humanity with his presence. The bridegroom has entered the wedding feast and he has come to take his bride to himself. The bride who is the new people of God, the church. Jesus enters the wedding banquet and gives exactly what the guests were thirsting for. Yes, on the surface of the story, he gives them wine. But looking more deeply into the symbolism of the story, what is it that Jesus gives them? It's his very presence. It's the presence of the bridegroom for which the bride was longing. And he takes her to himself and enters into a covenantal bond, a spousal bond. We begin to see in Christ the fulfilment of the prophet Isaiah, that he is taking his bride to himself. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. Israel was thirsting for God, desiring that she would no longer be termed forsaken or abandoned. And here we see the very presence of Christ in the midst of the wedding feast, giving a sign that God will come good on his promise and will establish a new covenant in Jesus. And under this new covenant, the wine will never run out. Now, this isn't distant abstract theology. This wedding feast at Cana describes the relationship that we all have with God in Christ Jesus. The spousal image is used to describe God's relationship to us because in the new covenant established in Christ's blood, we are wedded in this indissoluble communion of life and love. God has taken us to himself in an intimate and passionate way. And the God we have thirsted for, he is in our midst. Like a young man marrying a virgin, so will the one who built you wed you. And as the bridegroom rejoices in his bride, so will your God rejoice in you. So, just like in marriage, spousal love is mutual, so too must it be with God. That we ought to return the warm, passionate love that he has for us. We're called into an intimate bond with God through the reception of the sacraments and the practice of a deep prayer life. So, you know, if our relationship with Jesus is fleeting or superficial, then we can see we're called to something much deeper. The way in which we discover the depth and intimacy of communion with Christ is to hear once again the words of the Virgin Mary to the attendants. Do whatever he tells you to receive the sacraments of the church with devotion, 
to pray and meditate regularly and to follow Christ's commandment, to love God with all our hearts, souls and strength and to love our neighbours as ourselves. It's so easy to fall into the trap of just taking it all for granted, letting our religious practice become something a bit comfortable, a bit easy, a habit to which we don't give too much thought. Well, if that's the case, if our hearts have grown a little cold or a little distant, then let's turn especially to our Blessed Mother. Let's turn especially to Mary, the one invited to this great wedding feast, and allow her to turn to the Lord and say of our own hearts, they have no wine. Let's bring her the water that we have and allow her powerful intercession to bring our petition before Jesus. His holy presence will transform the water that we have into the wine which makes the wedding feast a true celebration. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.